Okay, well, thankful to be here together to continue our study in Genesis. And uh, tonight we'll be continuing uh, our study of the generations uh, of the heavens and the earth, looking at the, the very first humans and first family. And so far, we've been looking at chapter two with God's uh, creation and provision in the garden. Uh, and so we saw the creation of man uh, from the ground to work the ground. Uh, and then we saw the creation of woman uh, from man uh, to help the man. Uh, and there we, we saw all of God's uh, provision uh, for his first uh, humans, for, for Adam and Eve and uh, all of the, the trees they provided them and absolutely everything that they needed to uh, enjoy the fullness of God's blessing, to be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. And now tonight, uh, we'll be beginning chapter 3, uh, which we can call a banishment from the garden. Uh, or Matthews calls it, uh, the man and woman expelled uh, from the garden. And here, uh, you'll be developing uh, toward their banishment at the end of the chapter when they will be uh, cast out uh, of the garden because of their sin. Uh, and we can break this section up into about four parts. Uh, so uh, the first part uh, we can call temptation and sin. Uh, and that's uh, the part in which the serpent will tempt the woman uh, and then uh, the man and the woman will sin. Uh, and then following temptation and sin, uh, we'll see judgment uh, in which Yahweh God will find uh, and question and judge uh, the man, the woman, and the serpent. Uh, and then uh, after his judgment, we'll see a mercy uh, in which Adam will uh, name his wife Eve uh, and God will clothe uh, their nakedness. Uh, and then finally, uh, after temptation and sin and judgment and mercy, uh, we'll see banishment uh, in which Yahweh God will finally uh, banish the man and the woman from the garden so that they can never come back and return again. Uh, their offspring can never come back uh, and enjoy the, the fullness of God's uh, presence and provision in the garden. But tonight we'll be... Uh, beginning this uh, section, Banishment from the Garden, uh, by looking at uh, their temptation and sin. And uh, due to time constraints, we'll really focus on the temptation tonight. Uh, and we'll talk about their sin a little more. Uh, and so in verse 1, uh, Moses will introduce the serpent and begin to uh, characterize him. Uh, and then following that, uh, the serpent will initiate dialogue with the woman and begin to question her and to uh, tempt her. Uh, and so they'll have a, a couple back and forths, uh, and that will lead uh, to the man and the woman eating from the tree uh, and then having their eyes opened so that they recognize uh, their nakedness, their uh, sin and guilt before, before God. Uh, and this section will lead uh, into God's, uh, God's judgment uh, and the repercussions uh, for their uh, sin. And now let's just read through uh, verses uh, 1 through 7 uh, before uh, Moses introduces the serpent. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, 
she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Uh, now uh, we'll begin in uh, the, the first verse with the introduction of the serpent. Uh, and then uh, he'll soon initiate a dialogue uh, with the, the woman to tempt her. So verse 1, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. Uh, and so uh, here with the, the introduction uh, of the serpent, uh, this uh, introduces a, a, a new episode or a scene where we're transitioning out of uh, God's uh, creation and provision of the man uh, in the woman uh, and now uh, he's introducing the, the temptation uh, to which it's been building. Uh, and the serpent will play a very brief uh, but uh, extremely important uh, role, especially in the, the next few uh, verses. Uh, he will uh, initiate a dialogue with the woman. Uh, he will initiate uh, his deception and the subsequent sin uh, and rebellion uh, in the garden. So uh, the serpent and the woman takes center stage uh, for the, the next uh, few events. And notice how Moses characterizes the serpent. Uh, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. Uh, and notice that uh, he was crafty, uh, not, not, not just a craftier than all the beasts of the field, but he was craftier than all the beasts of the field that the Lord God had made. Uh, and so we already know that God made the beasts of the field. Uh, we saw that in uh, chapter 1 in the creation account. Uh, we saw it most recently uh, in the, uh, the beginning of the creation of the heavens and the earth when God brought the beasts of the field to the man to name them. Uh, and so we know that God had created them, uh, but uh, by Moses saying that they were cr uh, he was craftier than all the beasts of the field that the Lord God had made. Uh, he's showing just how comprehensive uh, it is of all the beasts that, that God had made. I, this is the very craftiest of them all. Uh, and so he knows how to uh, manipulate a situation uh, to uh, achieve his ends and his desires, uh, his goals, uh, as we'll uh, see. Uh, or as uh, some say, he's uh, skillful and adept in the, the art of deception. Uh, and so here, this should signal uh, trouble and danger uh, for the woman that this uh, serpent is lurking about. Uh, and then there's a wordplay. Uh, if you look in uh, back a verse in chapter 2, verse 25, uh, there's a wordplay between the word naked and crafty. Uh, in, in Hebrew, uh, they sound similar and they're, they're spelled uh, in a very similar way. Uh, and so verse 25, and the two of them were naked, Eromim, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. Uh, verse 1, now the serpent was more crafty, Arum, than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And look at verse 7. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew they were naked, Eromim, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Uh, and so it sounds very uh, similar and looks similar in Hebrew, although we don't, we don't know exactly how it would have been pronounced in Moses' time, but it's still clear uh, from, from the, the remnants and even uh, my uh, poor uh, English modern Hebrew uh, pronunciation, uh, or I have to mix them up a little bit, but 
uh, that, they, that he's playing off of them. And it shows that the serpent is going to cause them to rebel against uh, God's prohibition. And he's going to expose uh, their nakedness. Uh, because of their guilt and shame, uh, they're going to uh, recognize their nakedness and try to uh, hide themselves and uh, cover themselves very uh, feebly. Uh, and so the, the serpent in his craftiness is going to uh, expose their, uh, their shame. Uh, and Kenneth Matthews uh, comments on the introduction of the serpent and this uh, wordplay, uh, saying, The serpent is unforeseen in the narrative and appears suddenly. Uh, The reader is caught off guard, but not as unsuspecting as Eve. Uh, The snake is described by the narrator as crafty, alerting the reader to weigh the words of the beast carefully. Crafty, arom, can be spoken of approvingly or negatively, thereby introducing ambiguity at this stage in the story. So what kind of craftiness uh, is this beast? Is it, is it good or bad? Uh, perhaps this also prepares the reader for the serpent as a talking animal since it is distinguished from all others as more crafty. Uh, it's wordplay with naked, aromim, in uh, chapter 2, verse 25, uh, where the man and the woman are naked and not ashamed. Uh, as noted, links the serpent's shrewdness with the woman's deception, finally resulting in the self-consciousness of human nakedness. Also, the serpent is identified as an animal that God had made among the beasts of the field, referring to chapter 2, verse 19, and that's where he brought the beasts of the field to the man to name them. Uh, This dismisses any notion of a competing dualism since the animal owes its existence to God. Uh, So dualism is kind of the idea that there are two ultimate forces in the universe, one good, one evil. So God's one ultimate force uh, in this serpent is another ultimate force, uh, and they're clashing back and forth, and uh, who will win between these these two ultimates? Uh, But uh, we know that the the serpent is just a, a created thing. Ultimately, he's under God's uh, sovereign uh, control. Uh, And so uh, he is not uh, God's equal. Uh, And who is uh, this uh, crafty serpent uh, that comes on the the scene? Uh, Because if if you think about it, uh, really, not just in our own day, is it extremely odd to hear about an animal uh, that's talking. Uh, That is very strange. But even in uh, the Old Testament, in the New Testament, it is extremely unusual and odd. Uh, There are only ever two animals uh, that talk in the Old Testament. Uh, One, as a scholar uh, has said, is is a proverbially clever animal, the serpent, uh, who will uh, fool them and cause them to act very foolishly. Uh, the other is a proverbially uh, stupid and foolish animal, a donkey, uh, the donkey of Balaam, uh, and that foolish, stupid animal uh, rebukes uh, the prophet uh, because God used him to, uh, to, to rebuke uh, an evil, wicked prophet. Uh, and so it's extremely odd uh, that an animal uh, would talk. Uh, And we have to realize that Genesis does not reveal precisely who uh, this serpent is, uh, but it tells us something about his character, uh, his offspring, uh, those who follow uh, him, uh, and his actions in the garden uh, to deceive. Uh, And as Matthew says, uh, we will see that he is an opponent of humanity uh, and Uh, an opponent of the chosen seed of the woman. Uh, And so he continues to be an opponent even after uh, this chapter. It's not just a a one-time thing, but uh, he's really behind the the scenes of those who are the very enemies of God and God's people. If we were to look at the beginning of Job uh, or the, the prophet Zechariah, Uh, we would see that his strategy and tactics are the exact same as Satan, 
the, the Satan uh, in Hebrew, uh, which means adversary. Uh, and so he's God's adversary. Uh, he's the adversary or the opponent of the people of God. Uh, and we also see him uh, very much in the New Testament. And I think the Apostle John uh, captures and characterizes him uh, very well and succinctly in uh, Revelation 12, verse 9, uh, where he says, And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Uh, and so he goes by many names. Uh, he's the serpent, the ancient serpent. He's the dragon of old. Uh, he's the, uh, the Satan, uh, which means adversary. Uh, he's the devil, uh, which means the slanderer. Uh, he is called the, the evil one, the father of lies, uh, the spirit working in the sons of disobedience. Uh, And so Matthew says, uh, the traditional opinion among Jewish and Christian interpreters is that the serpent is Satan's instrument. Uh, Luther explained, quote, "Uh, the devil was permitted to enter beasts as he here entered the serpent. Uh, For there is no doubt that it was a real serpent in which Satan was and in which he conversed uh, with Eve. Uh, And so uh, Satan used this serpent as an instrument uh, to uh, gain an audience uh, in the garden uh, with uh, the man and the woman uh, and to tempt her uh, to sin. And if you also remember uh, God's creation of the man and the woman, uh, he gave the man dominion over all of the animals, uh, including uh, the beasts of uh, the field they brought uh, to him to, to name and to exercise dominion over them, uh, and he made it his responsibility uh, to work and to keep the garden as his vice regent and representative uh, to rule on uh, God's behalf. Uh, and so now, uh, one of those uh, beasts of the field, uh, which he is to uh, subdue and have dominion over. Uh, comes to uh, tempt them uh, to disobey God uh, and to reject his authority. And so the question is uh, whether man will fulfill his responsibility in humble submission to God uh, and in dependence upon him, uh, or will he reject God's authority over him uh, and eat uh, from uh, the tree? Uh, And so this is an animal uh, that uh, he should have dominion and authority over. uh, But we'll see that the serpent will uh, get the the upper hand. Uh, And this uh, brings us uh, to uh, the serpent using his craftiness to uh, tempt the woman and to uh, engage her uh, in dialogue. And we'll be seeing that this will lead uh, to the man and the woman's sin. So continuing in verse 1, he said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Uh, And so, as we said, uh, Satan is uh, the opponent of God and of God's people uh, throughout history. Uh, And his ultimate goal uh, is to be king over all of creation uh, rather than God. And so uh, in order to accomplish this, uh, he basically has to dethrone God uh, and he has to depose uh, mankind as God's royal stewards uh, over uh, the earth. Uh, Because if Satan can instigate rebellion among them, uh, then Uh, it will destroy God's kingdom, God's people, uh, and then perhaps he can have them follow him and his uh, lawless ways. And so I want you to pay very careful attention to uh, Satan's uh, strategy that we're about to uh, see uh, so that we can uh, 
understand it. Uh, he basically uh, plays by the same rules and tactics today. Uh, he wants the man and the woman uh, to deny God's ultimate authority uh, over them, uh, to deny him as the ultimate authority and standard of truth, beauty, uh, and goodness. Uh, and he'll do this by getting them uh, to ignore God's one prohibition uh, to not eat uh, from, from the tree. Uh, and we'll see that he will uh, instigate this unbelief and rebellion uh, in at least four major ways. Uh, and so the first and primary way will be to distort God's word. Uh, as we've seen uh, in the creation account uh, and in uh, God's creation and provision uh, in the, the heavens and the earth for the man and the woman, uh, God is infinitely good uh, and holy. Uh, he made everything good. Uh, he provided them with everything they could ever want and need uh, to fulfill his mandate uh, and to enjoy the fullness of his, his blessing. And so uh, for the serpent to, uh, to uh, attack God uh, and create unbelief, uh, he needs to distort uh, God's word because everything that God says and commands uh, is good. And this will be primary. We'll see this in everything. Uh, second, uh, he de-emphasizes and even denies a God's provision, a his good provision uh, for uh, his creatures uh, so that they begin to doubt uh, God. They begin to doubt his goodness, his good uh, provision, and to de desire uh, what is unlawful. Uh, and then uh, he won't only de-emphasize and deny God's provision, he will emphasize and distort God's prohibition. Uh, his commandment not to eat uh, from the tree uh, of the, the knowledge uh, of good and evil. Uh, he will emphasize this. He will draw uh, Eve's attention uh, to uh, this prohibition uh, and make God seem, uh, seem unjust uh, for uh, prohibiting this. And then fourthly, uh, he will de-emphasize and even deny the consequences of sin. Uh, because if the consequence of sin uh, isn't truly death, uh, if the consequences of sin uh, are not uh, painful, uh, but they're even actually uh, good and will benefit you, uh, they will have every reason uh, to grasp uh, from the, the tree. Uh, and so uh, if he can get them to doubt God's word, uh, the goodness of God's provision, the justice of his prohibition, uh, and the consequences of sin, uh, then he's got them right where he wants them, uh, and their sin and rebellion uh, will follow their unbelief. Uh, and we'll see in this section that the serpent will focus on the first three, uh, distorting God's word, de-emphasizing his uh, provision, uh, and emphasizing his uh, prohibition. Uh, that will be his uh, first uh, question with the, with the woman uh, and Eve will fall into the same uh, pattern of thinking and, and deception and confusion and so now uh, before looking at the serpent's question I, I just want to ask briefly where's Adam uh, in, in all of this where is Adam and why does the serpent target uh, the woman? Uh, as for why he targets the woman, uh, remember that God specifically commanded uh, the man uh, concerning the trees and set him uh, over uh, the garden. Uh, and so Adam is chiefly responsible uh, for his charge uh, in the garden that, that God has given him. Uh, and to some extent, uh, for his wife, as we'll be uh, seeing in the, the judgment, uh, at the very least, not to listen to her uh, and cast the blame on her uh, when he eats from the tree. 
uh, although uh, she helps him in his responsibility uh, and makes the two of them able to do together uh, what they could not do uh, alone, as we talked about last week. Uh, and apparently the serpent uh, sees her as the more uh, strategic uh, target. Uh, he may be thinking that uh, perhaps if he can get to her, uh, the man is more likely uh, to listen uh, to his wife. Uh, and so if he can get to her, uh, then the, the man is done for. Uh, he's, he's a goner. And so his strategy is basically to divide and conquer. Uh, first the woman, uh, and then the man will follow. Uh, it's basically uh, two birds with, with one stone. Uh, and then as for Adam's location, uh, he is apparently somewhere nearby, uh, maybe even right next to Eve. Uh, for instance, uh, the serpent uses the plural uh, you uh, when he says, did God actually say you, a uh, plural, shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Uh, Y'all, uh, you guys, we, we might say uh, in English. Doesn't sound very good for a translation. Uh, but, but here it doesn't necessarily mean Adam is right next to her because he does address uh, the woman. Uh, but it at least means that his question uh, concerns uh, both of them uh, in God's uh, prohibition uh, that's relevant to both of them. But if you look in cha uh, verse 6, uh, we'll find that Adam is found uh, next to her uh, after uh, she uh, saw the tree uh, and she took its fruit and ate. Uh, she also gave to some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Uh, and so even just shortly after this conversation, uh, he was uh, nearby. Uh, he was uh, with her, uh, Moses uh, says. And so uh, Adam is somewhere nearby uh, and perhaps uh, right next to, uh, to Eve. But uh, she and the, the serpent uh, engage in a dialogue. And so uh, let's focus now on the serpent's question uh, to the woman, which is going to uh, instigate unbelief uh, by uh, distorting God's word, uh, denying God's provision, uh, and emphasizing, drawing attention to the prohibition. And so again, he, he said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree uh, in the garden? Now, initially, uh, this might seem somewhat innocent uh, and innocuous uh, because uh, he, is, uh, he frames it uh, on the surface as a question. He's just asking uh, a question. And often when someone asks a question, uh, they're just searching for, for information about something uh, that, that they don't know. They, they want some information. Uh, so we could ask, uh, during uh, the creation week, uh, how many days did God work and how many days did he rest? Well, he worked six days and he rested on the seventh day, uh, one day. Uh, we could ask, uh, from where did God, uh, or what did God create the man and from what did he create the woman? Well, he made the man from the ground. Uh, he made the woman from the man's side. Uh, and the serpent, uh, likewise, frames uh, what he says as, as a question. Uh, and so he, he says, did, did God actually say, uh, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Not saying whether he did or not. I'm, I'm just wondering. Uh, I don't know. I thought maybe maybe you would know. Uh I, I'm sorry you, you took it so so negatively. <laughs> and so he, he frames it as a, as a question. It makes it seem innocent. It's part of his uh, craftiness uh, and his crafty uh, deceit. Uh, but we'll see that uh, it's anything but innocent. And he's actually asking uh, what's called a, a loaded question uh, that has some uh, assumptions uh, slipped uh, in it, uh, into uh, the question. Uh, and so now let's compare what the serpent says uh, to what, uh, what God uh, actually said. Uh, first, uh, we'll see that the, the serpent implicitly denies God's uh, provision 
uh, for them, his good provision. Uh, So he said to the woman, "Uh, did God actually say, uh, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Was that what God said? You shall not eat of any tree in the garden. That's what he said to Adam, right? You shall not eat of any tree in the garden. No, he didn't say that. Uh, Chapter 2, verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden. Or literally, from every tree of the garden, eating, you may eat. Uh, You you may surely eat, 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 uh, as we talked about. Uh, And so God offers them absolutely everything, all the the trees, uh, except for one. Uh, But the serpent makes it as if God provided them with nothing and denied them everything. Uh, And the the two are almost a word for word uh, identical, uh, except uh, the serpent makes God's statement a negative uh, and he changes uh, the, the emphasis. Uh, and so the emphasis is on God's liberality. And from every tree of the garden, you may freely eat. The, the trees from which you can eat from, including the, uh, the trees that were pleasing to the sight and good for food. Uh, the tree of life, which would sustain uh, their, their life. Uh, God gave them life and he, he sustains it. Uh, but the serpent makes God's uh, command uh, almost of universal uh, provision for them, providing them with everything into a universal uh, prohibition, uh, making it it as if uh, God is uh, mean and greedy and selfish and won't give them uh, what they need, let alone what what they they desire. Uh, And then the serpent not only implicitly denies uh, God's provision for them, but... Uh, he exaggerates and even absolutizes a uh, God's prohibition. Uh, so uh, the serpent said, "Did God actually say uh, you shall you shall not eat of any tree in the garden?" Was well, that what God said? Is that what He prohibited? Uh, any and every tree. Well, chapter two, verse seventeen. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. God makes one single solitary a prohibition uh, and gives them uh, all the, the rest. Uh, and so the serpent makes it as if a God is somehow uh, un, unfair and, and stingy. Uh, he really uh, brings into question the the goodness and justice uh, of God uh, toward his uh, creatures. Uh, And so uh, just to summarize, uh, the the serpent's question uh, might seem innocent on the surface, uh, but really he casts uh, God's commandments uh, in the very worst light possible. Uh, He implicitly denies God's provision uh, and he uh, emphasizes and even absolutizes God's uh, prohibition uh, and his question basically expects a a sort of a a yes no answer and really expects uh, Eve to answer yes he did did, uh, say that we shouldn't eat from any tree and so now how does Eve uh, respond uh, to uh, Satan's question that purposefully contradicts uh, God's word Uh, and also uh, you might want to ask yourself, uh, how how would you respond? Uh, how how would how would I respond uh, to to Satan because he attempts in the very uh, same way? So verse two, uh, and the woman said to the serpent, uh, "We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, God said, you shall not eat of it.'" Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, Eve's words are partially true. Uh, she corrects uh, the, the serpent uh, and his uh, really uh, mangling and mishandling of, of God's, God's word. Uh, but they're also partially 
false. Uh, and it's a very deadly thing to mix uh, truth uh, and error. Uh, and Satan is going to uh, take hold of this uh, after her, her answer. Uh, and so first, notice uh, that what she says is uh, partially accurate, partially uh, true. Uh, the serpent's question implied that God forbid eating from, from any tree. And so he said, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Uh, and the woman corrects him uh, by stating which trees uh, they may eat from uh, and which tree uh, they may not eat from. Uh, and so uh, she says uh, to the serpent, uh, we may eat of the fruit of the trees uh, in the garden, uh, or literally uh, from the fruit of the trees in the garden. Uh, we may eat, uh, specifying which trees uh, they could eat from. Uh, Satan made it as if they, they could eat from none of them. Uh, but she uh, generally says that they may eat of the, the fruit of the, the trees in the, uh, the, the garden. What, what he said isn't, uh, or asked isn't, isn't quite, quite right. Uh, it's not that they can't eat from any tree uh, in the garden, but there's, there's only one tree that they, they can't eat from. Uh, and so she says, uh, verse 3, But from the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, uh, God said, uh, You shall not eat from it, nor shall you touch it, lest uh, you die. Uh, and that's right. Uh, there was only one tree that they could not eat from. Uh, and she specifies this one as uh, the, the tree of the knowledge uh, of good, good and evil. That's the one that, that God prohibited. So, yep, they, they can eat from the fruit of the trees, and just this one uh, they can't eat from. But uh, she mixes uh, much error uh, with her, uh, the bit of truth that she's given, and distorts uh, God's uh, word. Uh, and so we'll see uh, that first, uh, she fails to emphasize the specificity and liberality of God's provision. Uh, second, uh, Eve mentions only one tree being in the midst of the garden, uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then third, uh, she adds to God's prohibition and downplays its consequence. So let's take up the, the first one, uh, where she fails to emphasize the specificity and liberality uh, of God's uh, provision. Uh, and so uh, she says, uh, the, the, the woman said to the serpent, uh, we may eat of the fruit of the trees uh, in the garden, or, or literally again, from the fruit of the trees in the garden, we may eat. Was that what God said? From the fruit... From the fruit of the trees in the garden, you may eat. Is that what he told, told the man? Ver, chapter 2, verse 16. Uh, he said, literally, from every tree of the garden, you may surely eat. Or, or eating, uh, you may eat from every tree in the, the garden. Uh, and so God's command is specific, including every tree in the garden. Every tree. Uh, she, however, says, from the fruit of the trees in the garden, we may eat. She drops the word every. God said every. Uh, also, uh, his provision is emphatic. He says, you may surely eat. Uh, eating, you may eat. Eat, eat. Uh, he's he's uh, intensifying the permission he's given them. He wants them to know that he's really giving them this uh, permission that they're free to partake of these trees uh, and he's not holding back. Uh, but uh, she just uh, says, uh, from the fruit of the trees in the garden, we may eat. No, no, surely. No, no eating, we, we may eat. Uh, and so God specifically and emphatically gave them every tree uh, in the garden uh, from which to partake, uh, all of those that were pleasant to the sight and good for food in the, the tree of life. Uh, but Eve says, uh, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. And so uh, she ends up taking away uh, from God's word uh, and downplaying his uh, provision for them. 
uh, she fails to emphasize the specificity and liberality of God's uh, commandment of provision. Uh, and then her next error uh, is that she mentions only one tree uh, being in the midst of the garden, uh, the tree of the knowledge of good uh, and evil. And so uh, in uh, chapter 3, verse 2, uh, through 3, uh, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but from the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, God said, you shall not eat from it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Is that what God said? You shall not eat from the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Is that what he told them anywhere in chapter chapter 2? No. Uh, actually, if we look in chapter 2, verse 9, uh, where he caused the trees to spring up, uh, it says, uh, And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, and the tree of life, uh, that was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good uh, and evil. And so Moses says that the tree of life was in uh, the midst of the garden. Uh, he doesn't state whether or not the tree of knowledge of good and evil uh, was also in the midst of the garden, uh, but he does state that God planted the tree of life in the very heart and center uh, of uh, the garden. Uh, and then in verse 16, uh, God commanded the man saying, uh, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden. That included the tree that is in the midst of the garden. And so God actually did permit them to eat from the tree that was in uh, the midst of the garden. Uh, the tree of life uh, that he would use to sustain uh, their lives. He gave them life uh, he was going to uh, sustain it if they would humbly uh, believe uh, and serve and obey him uh, in dependence upon God. He, he did permit them to eat from the, uh, the tree in the midst of the garden after all. But uh, Eve mentions only one tree being in the midst of the garden, uh, the tree of the knowledge of good uh, and evil. In fact, she calls it the tree that is in the midst of the garden. The tree is in the midst of the garden, uh, making it sound as if there's one uh, and only one tree uh, in it in its very midst. Uh, and maybe it was also in, in the midst, but uh, it, it makes you uh, wonder. She, she was fixating on the, the prohibition. Uh, and so I uh, see here that she has distorted uh, God's word. Uh, she downplays his provision, uh, the, the tree of life uh, that was in the midst of the garden, and fixates on uh, the prohibition, uh, focusing on, on the tree of knowledge uh, that God forbid. Uh, and now, uh, she not only fails to emphasize the specificity and liberality of God's provision, uh, she also not only fails to mention that there uh, that there was another tree in the garden, uh, making it as if there was only one. But she adds to God's prohibition and downplays uh, the consequences of disobedience. And so, look again in verse 3. Uh, but from the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, God said, You shall not eat from it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. I ask again, is this what God said? You shall not eat from it. You shall not touch it, lest you die. Well, no. Verse 17. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. She adds to God's prohibition. Uh, where is there anything about touching the tree? When did God say anything about touching the tree? Uh, now, uh, some people say, well, 
maybe Adam uh, was just giving a little more uh, extra barriers uh, to be careful, or, or maybe she is drawing a logical inference. If they shouldn't eat from this tree, they, they really shouldn't touch it. It's, it's off limits. But Moses' point is for us to recognize this isn't what God said. God never said don't touch the tree. Uh, and so it ma- makes it seem like uh, God, God's, uh, he's, he's so severe. Uh, he, he, uh, he won't let us eat from it. And, and not only that, he won't even let us touch the tree. Uh, he, he won't even let us put a pinky finger uh, on, on the, the, the tree. He, he's just so severe and, and, and gruff and mean and uh, likes to keep things uh, from us. Uh, but then she, she not only adds to God's pro- uh, prohibition, she lightens the consequences of a disobedience. Uh, and so, uh, did God say, or, or where did he said, say, lest you die? He didn't say, lest you die. He said, you shall not eat from it, nor shall you touch it. Or, no, 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 <laughs> quoting, quoting her. I, I don't want to put words into God's mouth. Uh, he said, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Dying, you shall die. Uh, he repeats it again to show uh, the severity of the consequence uh, and that they take it uh, seriously. Uh, but uh, he does not say, lest you die. Lest you die weakens it. it it's like for, for fear that, that you die, you know, or, uh, if, if it comes to be. Uh, but his uh, was much more uh, severe and strong, uh, saying, in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And she just re- reduces it to, last, you die. Uh, and so, uh, although uh, what the woman says is uh, partially true, she partially corrects the serpent, uh, it's also largely false. Uh, mixing uh, poison in with something that's good uh, is uh, downright deadly. Uh, and so uh, she failed to emphasize the specificity and liberality of God's uh, provision. Uh, she mentions only one tree being uh, in the midst of the garden. Uh, and uh, she adds to God's prohibition and uh, downplays uh, the consequences of disobedience. Uh, and so... Uh, the, the serpent has been uh, successful with his question, uh, getting her to uh, doubt and confuse God's word, uh, the goodness of God's provision, uh, the justice of his prohibition, uh, and the true consequences uh, and wages of sin. Uh, and so here, uh, the, the serpent sees his opportunity uh, after she's now distorted God's word, uh, and this is his opportunity to strike uh, and to directly contradict uh, God this time, uh, not with a question. So verse 4, But the serpent said to the woman, You will sh- not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Uh, And so here, he directly contradicts God boldly uh, and challenges uh, what he has said. Uh, First, by denying the negative consequences of sin. uh, And secondly, by suggesting that the consequences of sin uh, will be positive uh, and that they will benefit and they stand uh, to gain by disobeying. Uh, And so uh, first, the serpent denies the negative consequences of sin. So verse 4, But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. Uh, Or literally, dying you shall not die. Uh, Which really Uh, is almost identical uh, to what uh, God said. Uh, God said, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Dying, you shall die. Uh, And now the serpent says, uh, dying, you shall not die uh, if uh, you eat from it. And so uh, his denial 
of the consequence is just as strong and intensive uh, as God's uh, affirmation of uh, the consequence for sin. Uh, And think about what happens uh, when we deny uh, the the consequences of sin, uh, that there are any consequences for sin. Uh, Think if in society uh, there were no consequences for sin uh, in lawlessness. Uh, And so if a gossip and slander and stealing and murder uh, and uh, adultery and perjury, uh, lying in court, uh, blasphemy, lying and cheating, and uh, doing every wicked thing that uh, sinners uh, do, uh, if we thought uh, you won't suffer uh, any consequences for these things, uh, in fact, uh, you will be better off uh, for it. And in fact, with many of these things, that's exactly how sinners uh, do think and think that there won't be uh, consequences for these things. Although uh, we know that ultimately, uh, one day, uh, everyone will give an answer, an account uh, for, uh, for their sin and for how they uh, live their lives before God. Uh, but the serpent says uh, that if the man and the woman disobey God, uh, they will not suffer death. Uh, and so he makes uh, God uh, a liar, uh, makes him out to, to be a liar and that God is uh, speaking falsehood. Uh, saying that uh, they will die uh, for their sin. Uh, And so after denying the negative consequences of sin, uh, he uh, makes it uh, even worse, or in in his case, he'd think uh, uh, better. Uh, He he one-ups it. Not only will you not suffer consequences, but he suggests that the consequences will be uh, positive and and beneficial. Uh, And so... Uh, He said, you will not surely die for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good uh, and evil. Uh, And here, uh, many of his words are uh, almost identical uh, to what uh, God says. Uh, So uh, he says, for God knows that uh, in the day that you eat of it, Your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And God said, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Uh, He's he's replaced uh, what's going to happen. Uh, And so he says uh, that they shall be like God. But uh, if you think back to the creation account, God had already made them in his image after his likeness. Uh, In some way, he's already made them uh, to be like him. Uh, He didn't make them to be God, but he made them to uh, represent him as his royal stewards uh, over the whole uh, earth. Uh, He gave them honor and dignity and authority. Uh, He made them uh, rulers over the whole earth, over all the animals and and all the, the, the earth, Uh, And so God has already made them in his image after his likeness. And now uh, that's not enough uh, for them. Satan is saying, you will be like God, as if God hasn't already done enough for his uh, human creatures, uh, making them the very highest and loftiest and noblest of all of his creatures in creation. But the serpent uh, promises more. And so what does it mean to, to have one's eyes open, uh, opened and uh, to be like God, knowing a good uh, and evil? Uh, first, these phrases, uh, having one's eyes opened uh, and, and being like God, uh, they're almost synonymous, uh, maybe not quite, but they're, they're very closely uh, related. Uh, because uh, to have one's eyes opened uh, is to possess knowledge uh, and understanding. Uh, If you have your eyes open, you have enlightenment, knowledge and understanding. Uh, And God himself uh, is enlightened. Uh, He has knowledge and understanding. But uh, it's not just any kind of knowledge uh, that the serpent is talking about, but uh, it specifically refers to the knowledge of good uh, and evil. 
Uh, and so to possess uh, this knowledge, the knowledge of good and evil, uh, is to have one's eyes opened uh, and to be like God, uh, as the, the serpent says. Uh, and ultimately, the knowledge of good and evil uh, belongs uh, ultimately to God. Uh, God knows uh, good and evil, right and wrong, uh, independently of everyone, uh, everything, and everyone else, uh, and all of creation. Uh, God does not have to ask anyone, you know, what's the right thing to do uh, in this circumstance? Uh, what, what's, what's the good thing to do? Uh, could, could you tell me uh, what, what's good and what's, uh, what's evil? Uh, God doesn't have to consult anyone or inquire or seek information about what is good uh, and what is evil. Uh, because God is the ultimate standard uh, in reference point for good and evil. Uh, his character uh, is uh, infinitely uh, good uh, and holy. Uh, and so everything is measured, whether it's good or evil, uh, it's, it's measured up to the standard of, of God's character. And all of his purposes then are good. Everything that God commands is good uh, because it reflects his good character uh, in purpose. Uh, but the serpent suggests that uh, they will know a good and evil uh, for themselves, uh, independently of what God uh, tells them uh, is good uh, and evil. Uh, and so uh, before sinning, they had to rely on God's word uh, to know what is good uh, and what is evil. But uh, by sinning, uh, they rejected God as the ultimate authority of good and evil uh, and decided for themselves uh, what is uh, good and evil. Uh, independently of God, independently of God's word, making themselves the ultimate standard uh, and the ultimate reference point uh, for what is good, or so it so it seems. Uh, God is still 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 ultimate, uh, and so He makes it uh, the the serpent as if God is selfishly keeping them from true wisdom uh, and true knowledge of uh, good and evil. Uh, and so how can they truly know what is good uh, and what is evil uh, unless they eat from the tree that God has uh, prohibited? Uh, and so uh, here uh, we see uh, Satan uh, has directly contradicted God now. Uh, he's not hiding behind the question. Uh, he denies the negative consequences of sin uh, and affirms that they will actually benefit, that the consequences will be good. And so now uh, we have a war of the words. Uh, who's lying and who's telling the truth? Uh, the serpent or God? Uh, who decides? Who, who decides be between the, the two of them? Uh, the one is saying one thing and the other is saying another thing. Uh, who's who's to, to, to decide uh, and to arbitrate uh, this dispute? Uh, the serpent, God, or the woman, independent of God and God's word. Uh, and now, uh, we won't get into uh, to these verses uh, that, that follow. I'll just read them, and then next week uh, we'll uh, dig into them. Uh, but now the sin uh, follows uh, after the temptation, after distorting God's word, uh, after uh, denying the goodness of his uh, provision uh, and uh, the, the justice of his prohibition, uh, now uh, the woman's sin uh, naturally follows. So let's just read through verses 6 and 7. Uh, then the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. 
Uh, and so now I, I'd just like to give a, a couple uh, points of, of application. Basically, we've covered it, uh, covered it already. Uh, and so ju just to give a, a couple uh, points, how we can apply this temptation uh, to our own lives uh, and deal uh, with, uh, with temptation. And so first, uh, we must trust God's word uh, and not uh, dis distort it. So that's pretty simple, but that's the, the really the, the big message, uh, I think, that Moses uh, drives uh, here. We must trust God's word and not uh, distort it. So uh, whether it comes to believing in the goodness of God's provision, uh, the justice of his prohibitions, uh, or the consequences of sin, uh, we must take God uh, at his word uh, and not uh, distort what God has said. Uh, we must not add to his word. Uh, we must not subtract from his word. Uh, we must not uh, water it down uh, or contradict it. Uh, but we must believe God's word uh, and uh, all of his word, uh, the, the whole counsel of God, uh, all, all of scripture, all that he's uh, revealed. So uh, we must trust God's word and not distort it. Uh, and then second, secondly, uh, we must not think lightly of God's provision, his prohibitions, uh, and the consequences uh, of sin. Uh, and speaking of his provision, we could also talk about the promises uh, of God, the, the provision that we have uh, now in this life, uh, but also future uh, provisions uh, for which he's, uh, he's promised us. Uh, so we must not think lightly of God's provision, his prohibitions, and the consequences of sin. Uh, if we think uh, lightly of these things, uh, then it will be very easy for us to uh, disbelieve God, uh, to disobey him, uh, and uh, to uh, seize uh, after the, the false prize of sin. Uh, because uh, when uh, we don't trust in, in the goodness of God's provision, uh, and uh, we think his, his prohibitions, uh, what he commands us not to do, uh, are unjust and not for our good. Uh, and we think that the consequences of sin uh, won't follow, but they'll actually benefit us. Uh, then sin uh, becomes a very uh, desirable, uh, but we'll, we'll find uh, that it's, it's not at all. Uh, sin is uh, sinful and, and deceptive and uh, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is uh, eternal life in Christ Jesus, our, our Lord. Uh, and then uh, to think lightly of these things is to think lightly of God himself, uh, including uh, his truthfulness, goodness, uh, justice, uh, and holiness. Uh, and so uh, here uh, we, we see uh, the, the first uh, sin, uh, and we'll be talking about it more, the, the temptation leading to the first sin uh, from which the man and the woman will be cast out uh, from the garden. Uh, and really, uh, in Adam, uh, all of humanity uh, suffered uh, the consequences uh, of sin. Uh, in Adam, uh, all are made guilty. Uh, all are condemned. Uh, all uh, suffer uh, death uh, in the very uh, wages of sin. Uh, but uh, in the New Testament, uh, God brings about uh, the, the second Adam, uh, his uh, eternal son, uh, who uh, is himself uh, God, uh, fully man and fully, fully God. The Father is God, uh, the Son is God, the Spirit is God, uh, and there is one God, uh, and they are uh, co-equal, uh, co-eternal, uh, and uh, co-essential. They share the very uh, same uh, nature. Uh, and uh, he uh, lived uh, the, the perfect sinless uh, life. Uh, he was tempted by Satan in, in the wilderness, uh, but unlike Eve and Adam, uh, he actually overcame uh, the temptation and uh, didn't desire the, the sin uh, that uh, Satan offered. Even though he offered him his kingdom, uh, he called him to bow down and worship him. 
uh, and told him uh, he didn't need to suffer, but uh, that he could uh, make make bread if he were the the very son of God. But uh, he didn't give in to uh, Satan's temptation, but he fulfilled uh, all uh, righteousness uh, in his life uh, so that uh, those who turn from their sins and trust in him uh, can be clothed uh, in his righteousness uh, because uh, their own good works are filthy deeds to God. Uh, we're all uh, condemned for our for our for our sin, and uh, it makes us deserving and worthy of hell. Uh, but Christ lived the perfect life; He uh, died uh, on uh, a cross to uh, bear the the sins and guilt and condemnation and death uh, that uh, sinners deserved, uh, so that. Uh, if they turn and trust in him, not only will they be clothed in his righteousness, uh, but uh, their sins will all uh, be removed and taken away from them. Uh, and God's wrath will be averted so that they can be uh, reconciled uh, to God. Uh, and he was raised uh, on the third day and he uh, ascended to, uh, to heaven where he uh, rules and reigns. Uh, until the father makes his enemies a footstool for his feet and uh, he's coming to bring uh, God's kingdom and to establish it on the earth uh, for uh, the people of God. Uh, And Adam and Eve were banished uh, from the fullness of God's provision and presence uh, in the garden, Uh, but uh, God's people uh, will again uh, enjoy the fullness of God's provision and presence uh, in the new heavens and the new earth. Uh, and in the, the new uh, Jerusalem, uh, where uh, righteousness uh, dwells. Uh, and so uh, these, uh, these events that we're looking at, I'm just uh, trying to uh, show how they're uh, so central to the rest of the message of, uh, of Scripture and how, how it all uh, fits, fits together. Uh, and so uh, let's just uh, pray, and then we can close. Heavenly Father, I thank you uh, for these uh, words that, uh, that you breathed out uh, by your Holy Spirit and uh, that you authored through your uh, prophet and authoritative spokesman Moses. And, uh, thank you uh, just for uh, teaching us about these things, uh, about the strategy of uh, Satan and uh, just the foolishness uh, that sin is and just how uh, deceitful uh, and wicked uh, it is Uh, and uh, Adam and Eve really uh, did not uh, gain uh, what the serpent told them uh, that they would gain but they uh, stood to lose uh, absolutely uh, everything Uh, but uh, we thank you that uh, you're not just just uh, and holy, but you're also uh, merciful in that you sent your son to uh, to die on a cross and to uh, bear the sins uh, and condemnation and uh, death uh, that we deserved uh, so that we could be uh, reconciled to you. Uh, we uh, thank you for these things and pray that you cause them to uh, weigh heavily uh, on our hearts and minds uh, and that Uh, we would be taught and uh, instructed uh, by your word and that uh, we would uh, think about these things and meditate on them and uh, speak about them with one another and uh, with our uh, friends and uh, families. And pray that you'd uh, build us up and build up our brothers and sisters in Christ and that uh, we would live to uh, serve you and uh, to give you uh, praise and thanks and glory. Uh, We pray these things in the name of your Son. Amen.